0: Thank you for listening to our weekly Baylife Church podcast. Make sure you visit our website, baylifechurch.org.au, where you can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes so that you'll never miss another message. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon. Thanks, Chris. warm uh, wore my green jacket and it got a bit hot in here. I had to take it off. I got a bit sweaty and could be standing next to my gorgeous wife, though. That could have been what it did. Hey, I've only got a few more preachers left in me, so um, so, uh, it's getting to the pointy end now. I I think I've worked out, probably got about four more preachers. Actually, Robin and I are doing a relationship uh, message next Sunday morning, so that'll be fun. That'll be for couples, but just general relationships as well. So, uh, uh, So make sure you're around for that. I'll bring someone along that needs to hear... Something about relationships, and uh, which we all do, by the way. So, um, um, we have got this working bee. We haven't done a working bee here for about 18 months. Now, it feels like it was yesterday, but it's a good chance to get a fair few jobs done. We've got to work out that uh, stormwater flow out the front there, and it's uh, a heap of jobs we've got lined up. So, from painting, so you can bring kids. Just make sure they bring old clothes, because they can be with a you know, paintbrush and painting around the place as well, and uh, we're going to chainsaw and cut and mow and weed and all those things, so it should be, should be good fun. So, uh, um, all right, this morning I'm going to look at a, um, an Old Testament character, Elijah, and uh, I tried to fit this into my series on courageous prayer at the start of the year, but I ran out of time. And so this is a message I've sort of prepared before, um, but I just think it's really relevant and I uh, really want, hope it helps you here this morning. And it's about, because Elijah is a prophet and he really knows about prayer. So there's just some stuff we can learn about prayer from the way he operates. But I firstly want to look at James because James references Elijah. And in James 5, verse 13 to 16, it says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we're talking about effective prayer here this morning. But James intentionally links that verse um, in in verse uh, 16, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective, to the next verse, which is verse 17. And it says this. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Let me pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your amazing grace. God, we thank you that we can come boldly into your throne room, Lord, with a confidence and a knowing that you are there for us and with us and in our circumstances, in our situations, God. But it takes us to do something in that process. We can't just, you know, do nothing. We've actually got to approach the throne room of grace, ask for your, your help, your forgiveness, your healing, your whatever you, we need from you, God. And so it takes us to approach you. In the name of Jesus, I pray this morning that this helps people uh, in their prayer life, God, to pray more effective prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. See, this verse starts out with, Elijah was a man just like us, which is comforting. It's, it's helpful. He's just normal. He's not, he's not this superhuman guy. He's just normal. He's just like us. He's a regular guy, and, and he prayed earnestly. And I want you to hear this. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, that it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. See, that is a bold, courageous, effective prayer. He prayed and it didn't rain, and then he prayed, and it did rain. It's like, whoa, I don't know that any time you've prayed when it, and it's, you know, if it's raining and it stops raining. It's never happened. I know one guy that it has happened to, Bill Corwell, used to do it all the time on Friday morning at Music and Moves. It would be raining and go out and say, well, Lord, we want it to stop raining now. Can you stop raining and just stop raining? And you go, how do you do that? So that's the only other person I know that that works for. But uh, anyway, Elijah did this. Um, and we want to look at Liza's prayer life because he prayed with humility. He prayed specifically for stuff. He prayed with a persistence and he prayed expectantly when he prayed. He prayed all those ways. And I want to look at the way he was, prays faithful, effective prayers that was completely dependent on God, completely dependent on God. The God had to move or he was in all sorts of strife and it just wouldn't have worked out. Now, you may or may not be familiar with this story about Elijah, but particularly King Ahab. He married uh, Jezebel, which you probably have heard about, Jezebel in the Bible, and uh, she wasn't very nice, and neither was he. They were actually probably the most evil kings of Israel up to that point, and uh, they were bad dudes, and, uh, uh, and really not living for God. So I'll give you a quick paraphrase of this, this, the, the process of this. Basically, God says to Elijah... Go and tell them they've got to mend their ways or we're not going to have rain for three years or, or a period of time, I think he basically says. And they didn't listen. And so Elijah says, okay, we're going to pray. No rain. So no rain for three and a half years. It was gone. And then 1 Kings 18.1 talks about uh, on the third year, God says to Elijah, okay, it's time. Uh, go and present yourself to Ahab and I'll send rain on the land. And uh, so you know, he hears this small, still voice and in obedience, he's going to step out in this. There's famine in the land. We need rain again. You know, People are dying. And in the meantime, King Ahab's trying to find Elijah to kill him, to murder him. So there's all this going on in the background. And between this uh, Kings 18 verse 1 and the verses we're going to read this morning, I'll tell you what Elijah does. He goes up and, uh, and, and basically challenges the, the prophets of Baal up on, up on the mountain, and basically says, look, um, can your God do this? And and so there's 450 of them praying and spitting and manifesting and all this sort of stuff, trying to get uh, the, the altar to, to burst into fire. Didn't happen, and it did for Elijah. The fire was there. So there he, he says, well, these guys are false prophets, so let's let's kill them. And so he kill, gets 450 Baal prophets killed in that instance so that's happened between when he says it's going to rain and when he's going to pray for rain so in 1 kings 18 verse 42 and i know i've given you a lot of information there but don't worry about all that this is what i want to focus on now the prayer part of this rain prayer 1 kings 18 verse 42 says this elijah climbed to the top of carmel which is a mountain there he says he bent down to the ground put his face between his knees go and look towards the sea he told the servant and so the servant He went up and looked, came back, said, nothing there, Elijah. He said it seven times. He said, go back, go back. The seventh time the servant replied, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. I'm going to come back to that in a minute because it's pretty amazing. You see, here's what I want you to hear. The reality is so many of us struggle with our prayer life. We wouldn't be confident to pray a prayer like that. We, we wouldn't be confident in front of others to pray a prayer like that. Our consistency is so difficult. Authenticity is so difficult. You know, I know what it's like. You're praying for someone that's sick and going, I haven't got a lot of faith for this. You know, God, I, I don't know how, how, how am I supposed to pray for, for this situation. And you're praying the words, but you're not really completely there in your heart. And, and sometimes we can be and, praying and feel like God doesn't hear our prayers. And sometimes we can be praying and we feel like he doesn't answer our prayers. But here this morning, if you allow God, just for a minute, through his word, through his spirit, to encourage you, to to help you trust him more, to step out in our prayer life, we may be inspired to pray bigger, more courageous prayers. Prayers that actually demand uh, a response from God. Prayers that actually rest and trust in God and uh, could change and transform your prayer life forever. And I want to look at this passage because I want to look at four different aspects of effective prayer that, that um, Elijah operated in here this morning. And The first thought is this. Effective prayers are humble prayers. Effective prayers are humble prayers. See, we can't be presumptuous. We, we, we can't be uh, have an entitlement mentality for prayer. They've got to be humble prayers. And, and if you read this um, Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. He, he makes his way to the top of the mountain to be alone with God. And and, and and listen to this. He actually changed his physical position. He could have done this anywhere, but he decided to change his physical position to perhaps help him change his spiritual position. and uh, And he went beyond what was normal. And so for us, that might translate into... Not just praying in your prayer closet, which is fantastic, but maybe it's praying, walking along the beach praying. I know for me that's what really works sometimes. Just mixing it up, going for a walk up Mount Tobri or, or going in the bush or, or whatever. And, and basically, you know, he uh, changed his position because they really needed time, rain and he really needed to set time aside for this prayer. And one king says that Elijah got there, he bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Can you picture that? So he, he's, he just had this amazing victory, lit the, the altar up with fire when there's water all over it, got these 450 Baal prophets slayed, like he must have been going, yay, God, we're doing this well, goes up the mountain and then just sits between his head, between his knees, God, I need you. I need you. God, I can't make it rain. Please, God, help me here. We need rain in this place. He was so humble, so humble. He approached God on his knees. And I don't know about you, but I think we need to do more of that. I think we pray lightweight prayers. Like we just give in way too easily. God, where are you? What are you doing? I can't hear you. I can't see you. How come you're not answering my prayers? And God says, well, you're not even on your knees. Have you got a humility of heart? Because God, he responds to humility. He responds to us being on our knees before him. Not arrogant. Not prideful. Because See, pride holds us back. From humble prayers. For me, I know. God, I can organise this. I can work this out. I know how to do this. I don't really need you. I mean, it'd be good if you're there and help me out a little bit, but I can really do this. See, pride will hold us back from effective prayers and humble prayers. But Elijah had the right to operate like that, you see, because he'd seen miraculous stuff in his life already. But he chose not to. He got down on his knees. He humbled himself physically and spiritually. And, and it's a, just a picture of what is, is going on. I can't do it, God. I can't make it rain, but God, you can. And, uh, and, and basically, you know, he, he allowed himself to be the way God would want him to. God, I'm small, I'm insignificant. I'm serving you, I'm being obedient to your word, I'm responding to you saying it's going to rain and I put myself out there, God, I need you right now. And that's the, exactly the way he, 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 he basically represented this and says, you're my redeemer, you're my sustainer, you're my healer, you're my provider, you're there for me, God, I need you right now. And he prayed that way because he knew he couldn't bring the rain, but he knew the one who could bring the rain. And it's through that relationship, that humility, that that humbleness of heart. You know, and I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life I just haven't operated in prayer that way. God, what's going on? Seriously, come on! I need your help. I I, I need you, and not, not with a humility of heart, but with a arrogance and with a pride and with a uh, you know. That that whole presumptuous thing. That that come on, God. Because I want to say here, pride does hold us back from praying humble prayers and God-dependent prayers. But also, it also um, the boldness isn't praying louder or longer or shouting or spitting or jumping up and down or sweating. Like that's not boldness. That's not boldness. That's just making noise and making a racket. And, and it's actually recognizing that we can come boldly before the throne room of God, of grace, but it doesn't have to be an outward sign. It just needs to be an inward sign. And so, you know, Elijah taking that position spiritually, he was humbling himself. You know, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. That's such a great scripture. See, he will lift you up. You've got to look at the promises in the word of God. Our God who's the creator, it's him. He is the one who will lift us up in those situations when we are humble, when we understand that being humble and humility precedes the miraculous in our lives. And it's a wonderful thing to get God's attention. How, How do we move him? How do we get him to listen to our prayers? I'm suggesting here this morning, humility and humbling ourselves is the first thought in this scripture. The second thought is this. Effective prayers are specific prayers. Specific prayers. Being quite specific what we want. You see, Elijah was really specific. We need rain, we need H2O, we need water, we need God, we just need that rain. And uh, I can pray very wimpy prayers from time to time, you know. God be with us. God make me strong. God help me. God, your will be done, and, uh, and and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with those prayers, but if that's all we pray, what's the point? What's the point? Your will be done, God. Yes, we know that already. Like that, that, that's obvious. But but here's where the specific prayer. See, God already spoke to him. This wasn't like he was standing out and going, well, now. Elijah's going to make it rain? No, he's not. God already said to him, "I'll make it rain." So he is being an intermediate uh, between God and the, the the physical thing going on. And um, we need to have a boldness and be specific with our prayers. And it does take a real confidence in God to be specific. You know, he's praying and he sends his servant go and have a look towards the sea. He's like, "No, nothing happening." Okay. Um, i 'll pray again i 'll pray again, and he was specific he didn 't change his prayer he didn 't didn 't water it down, excuse the pun and uh, he he, he didn 't make excuses he didn 't make compromise he just decided that this is what we need to continue to pray on and, and this may seem a little trivial, but i 've got a personal example this in fact i 've probably got twenty of these examples, but the one that came to mind the quickest was the one when we first got called into ministry and uh, called out of our business and uh, And you know, we decided not to take any money from the business when we left the business, which was tough. You know, because I was going to full time Bible college the year after, and so we sold our family home that we built, um, had four kids, and we rented this two bedroom place this ramshackle old place, two bedroom place. We had to get a caravan in so we could fit all our family in, put our son out the back in the caravan, and it was so much fun for that for that whole year we, we were there. You know, I remember doing Bible, Bible college assignments uh, in a uh, little cupboard, really. It was sort of like a food storage pantry and, and everyone else went to bed and that was where we had the computer, so I went in there and did all my assignments and, uh, you know, often very, very late hours at night. Anyway, at the end of the 12 months, we got noticed that, that we were going to knock this place down and build units there and... Uh, and so we're going, uh-oh, we're in trouble because I wasn't earning much income at that stage and uh, how are we going to get another rental house? So after prayer, we really felt like we'd been obedient to God and he wouldn't make us suffer too much, hopefully, and uh, and we just need to pray. And so we had a small surplus of funds left over from the sale of our house and then living you know, Bible college fees and living a year with four kids and all the living costs that come with that. And, um, <laughs> and Rob and I really felt prayed... Prompted in God to sit down and write down the sort of house we'd like. And we weren't sure if we could buy a house if you know if anyone lend us money or, or anything. So uh, yeah, we, we sat down and wrote down this list specifically of what the family home we wanted for our family. And we wanted an older house with verandas, a Queenslander style house on a large block in Warner's Bay area, which is sort of where we live most of the time, uh, close to the lake. And this is a bit cheeky, but we wanted a pool for the kids. And we have four kids, and it just you need entertainment for kids like that. And, and, uh, and, and, and then we wrote down what we wanted to pay for it, or was it more what we could afford to pay? But anyway, I can't remember which way it worked, but, but we just wrote down what that was. It was fun to brainstorm all that until you actually did the reality check of, Good. this is impossible, this can't happen. Like, you, th- there's just nothing around and And we started checking in the newspaper, which is the way we used to buy houses in the Dark Ages. And, um <laughs> And and, uh, and there was nothing. Well, if there was anything that even looked like it, it was like three or four or five times what we could afford to pay. So we were stuck. But we still felt to keep praying this way. And it was interesting because we were getting a bit desperate because the agent's putting pressure on us to move out of this house. They want to start the works to start the units there. And we we're getting a little bit urgent in our prayer. Anyway, this one day... This guy from church, who I played soccer with, and um, what else? We uh, oh, he was in business. We did some business stuff together, and he said, "I'm thinking about dividing our acre block, and uh, you know, we've got an uh, an old house on one side of it, and we've just built a new house on the other side. We're going to subdivide it, and we're going to demolish the old house, and." and maybe you want to build a house on that block, you know. And, and uh, I thought, OK, well, that's not too bad. He said, where is it? He said, oh, Warners Bay. I went, oh, OK, all right, well, let's go and have a look. And uh, he said you could contribute to the, the subdivision costs and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, I said, yeah, OK, let's have a look. I had a look. It was an old, run-down Queenslander house. <laughs> Most of the verandas had been filled in, so there only a few verandas left. But it, it, uh, it was, you know, it had been built in 1910, which is one of the original houses in, in Warners Bay. Um, they'd owned it for 15 years and they intended to renovate, it, but never really got around to it. And, you know, um, of course they built, they, they thought, oh, well, you know, we, we just knock that house down, then someone can buy the block of ground. That's the way they were thinking. We had a look at it, went, didn't say too much, till we walked out the back and there was a brand new concrete pool out <laughs> the back. And he said, look, the pool's worth more than the house but I can fill in the pool for you if you want, if you don't want the pool there, so you can build the house where you want it. Now, we hadn't said anything at this stage, but I know I was getting pretty excited. I know Robin was getting pretty excited as well. And uh, it did need a lot of work. But uh, we, we said, would you consider not demolishing the house? And he didn't want to do that because they'd had it for 15 years with the intention of you know, renovating it and never got around to it. And, and so it would have been a bit of a slap in the face for their next door neighbour to renovate the house that they wanted to renovate and, and live in. Anyway, he said, Let me think about it. He went and talked to his wife, took a week or two to come back to us, which I thought, uh the deal's done, we're not going to do this. And uh, he said, Yep, okay. So our part was half an acre of land, a Queenslander style house with four bedrooms, a pool for exactly the amount we've been praying for. It's nuts. And when we went to get a loan on the property, because we still had to get a loan, even though it was so cheap, um, uh, the bank and the New South Wales stamp duty both questioned it, said, what's going on here? You can't buy a house for that amount of money in Warners Bay. In fact, you can't even buy a block of land for that amount of money in Warners (laughs) Bay for that. And they both gave us a hard time. We had to actually prove that we weren't related to them. It wasn't a family deal. This was a legit thing. And... uh, But it comes down to specific prayers. What is God saying to you and what do you need to be praying about? Because that's what it comes down to. What is God's prompt to you? What is God saying to you? What is his small, still voice saying to you? Well, that's what you need to camp on. Whatever his promise is, whatever that situation is, you need to camp on. On that promise and hold on to it, specifically praying, not watering it down, not compromising it, not changing it. Well, where's God? He's not listening to my prayers. Where are you, God? No, no, no. You camp on there till He says the next thing. He says whatever's to do next. You know, um, you do not have because you do not ask God. That's James 4 2. You do not have because you do not ask God. Don't we do that? Don't we forget? That the simplicity of that verse, we get fearful, we get busy, we, get, we pull back. We, we just get overwhelmed and, and we have to have courage in the midst of the resistance. We have to be a, a group of Jesus followers, people that humble ourselves before our God and are prepared to be courageous enough to pray specific prayers in our life. Now you may not need a house here today, but maybe you're looking for something different to that. But apply the same principle to your situation, whatever that is. That's the third. The second thought was be specific. The third thought is effective prayers are persistent prayers. Elijah humbled himself. He prayed specific prayers, (laughs) and he (laughs) lots of uh, peas there, aren't there? Praying Persistent Prayers. And there's an acronym that says, uh, it's PUSH. Pray until something happens. Pray until something happens. We have to be specific with our prayers, but we have to be persistent with our prayers. You know, um, my microphone's just moved. Is it all right? So he's praying and he says, go and have a look at the sea. He went up and looked. And the servant came back. No, nothing there. Seven times Elijah said, "Go back up. Go back up. Go back up." Kept praying in between. Okay, God, where are you? Um, you know, I prayed. We need. We need rain. We need. Go and have a look now. No, come back. Okay, God, where are you? We need. We need rain. Please make it rain. And, and he did that seven times. Seven times. And uh, now, what we don't hear or don't see in the scripture is what. Elijah didn't say, he didn't say, "Oh, this prayer thing doesn't work." You know, God must be sleeping. Where are you, God? What's going on? You know, God doesn't care. He was laser sharp in his focus of what he felt like God was going to do, and he was persistent in that. He just kept on that line. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. Seven times. Seven times. You see, here's what I want you to hear. Elijah doesn't allow the outward circumstance of what's going on to affect his inward assurance of God. He doesn't allow the outward circumstances to affect his faith in God and what God is going to do. He just doesn't allow it to change. when it seems like God's not moving and not doing it and it looks like he's, you know, he's not answering the prayer. He doesn't throw in the towel. He doesn't give up. He doesn't say, I'm done. This doesn't work. He doesn't say any of that. He said, God is good, and God, I'm going to keep praying till that rain comes. You know, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. That's the New King James Version of that scripture. And we need to hang on to those sorts of scriptures. Write them on our hearts when things get tough when things aren't going the way we're hoping they're going, where, where God isn't answering your prayer. We have to hold on to that in, in every situation. Here's my question for you before I move on to the next, last point. Have you stopped praying for uh, something that you felt like you should be praying for at some stage and you need to start praying again? Have, have you stopped praying for that thing? You know, maybe you've given up. Maybe, Maybe it's in a marriage, maybe it's in your finances, maybe it's in a job, maybe it's in your career, maybe it's in a broken relationship, maybe it's in someone in your family who's still yet to make a decision to ask Jesus in their life. Maybe it's been years and years and years and somehow you've just given up. You've just given up. Don't give up. Pray until something happens. Persistent prayer is a key to effective prayer. You know, the, the little old widow is an example of that in the New Testament. Just keep praying, keep praying. Don't give up, don't give up. Humble prayers, specific prayers, persistent prayers. And the, and the fourth thought is this. Effective prayers are expectant prayers. Expectant prayers. This might challenge you a little bit. But Elijah, he's on Mount Carmel. He humbled himself. He's praying, he's praying, he's praying. He's praying and he's not quitting, and the seventh time he says to his servant, go up on the mountain, go up on the mountain. And the servant comes back Yeah, uh, you know, every single time, no, nothing there. Till the last time, oh, yeah, it's just a bit of a cloud about the size of your fist, of your hand. <laughs> and look at Elijah's response. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab right now, hitch up your chariot, go down before the rain stops you. <laughs> now... The servant didn't say, Oh, there's a huge thunderstorm coming. There's black clouds, there's lightning, there's thunder, there's a huge storm coming across the valley. You know, he didn't say any of that. (laughs) He says, Oh, it's just a little cloud as big as your fist. Who's your hand? (laughs) He prayed and he prayed and he prayed, persistent prayer. And, you know, I, I don't know about you, but, but I find this quite funny, really. It, it cracks me up because, you know, a little cloud in the, the distance and, and Elijah's asking for the SES to come in and he's going to get the life raft out and, and get the, little, the safety jackets and, and, and quick get Ahab off the mountain because it's going to rain, you won't be able to get home and, and uh, it's crazy. But for me, I would have just been, oh, a little cloud get my weather app out and just check, yeah, is there rain coming? Yeah, oh, there's a rainbound down there, 20% rain, 30%, oh, maybe 40%. Oh, well, it's a chance, I guess. I'll just wait here till it starts to rain and get a drop on my head. Then I'll know it's true. Then I'll know it's right. But you see, Elijah had expectant prayers. As soon as he saw that cloud on the horizon, he said, Quick, get out of here, Ahab, because it's going to rain and you won't be able to get home if you don't get out of here. And it's, it's, it's miraculous. But Elijah was expectant. He had an expectancy in his spirit that God was going to come through. He was trusting God. And uh, are you praying with expectancy in your prayers? Or are you praying the other, whatever the other is? You need to pray expectant prayers. Mark eleven verse twenty four. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours in faith. Put faith in action. Put faith in action. Believe, believe, believe. Believe that God is going to move in your circumstances, in your situation. You know. Anyway, here's what happened to Elijah. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds, um, you can just imagine the wind rose whoosh, and, and heavy rain came in and, uh, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel and the power of the Lord came on, on, upon Elijah, I'm having all sorts of trouble with this thing um, and he, he ran ahead of him and you think wow God came through because of humble prayers because of specific prayers because of persistent prayers, because of expectant prayers. And they're exactly the same way we need to operate with our prayer life. And I, I hope this challenge you this morning to start praying differently. Don't, don't play those wishy-washy prayers that, God, be with me. Like, they're fine. But if you want God to respond to your prayers... We need to pray prayers with some gumption, with some specific insight into what you feel like God's got for your life and start praying that way. God doesn't answer every prayer that we pray. Of course, that would be dumb. But I'm telling you, he answers the ones that are important to answer that set us up for the next thing in our life. And he'll do that for you here this morning. Let me pray as the band comes. Let me read this scripture that Chris read a little earlier out of Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we thank you, God. We pray here this morning, God, you move us, you change us, you stir us, you cajole us, you pressure us, you do whatever you need to do, God. So we step into the place of trusting you, of having faith in you, Praying in a way that, that is, is the way you will want us to pray, God. The way that you desire us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us, us our trespasses for those who give us, trespass against us. Live us not in temptation, but live us from evil. For thy is a kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, we pray that for our lives. We pray that for this church. We pray that for this community, God. We pray that for this nation. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, give us those prayers that we need to be praying in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Awesome. I hope that stirred you a little bit this morning on your prayer life. Uh, I know it stirred me a little because I I can get a little wishy-washy from time to time with my prayer. And uh, uh, let's, let's be people that pray that way every day of our lives, eh? Let's do it.